The doctors at Midwest Family Wellness are happy to provide this podcast to our listeners, but we want everyone to understand that they are not here to diagnose or treat. They are doing this to spread information to our listeners. Hi, my name is Kimberly, and you're listening to the Spine Whispers podcast. With me today are Drs. Joshua Fink, Dr. Matthew Fink, and Dr. Brad Maurer. This is Episode 9, Pickle, I'm Kind of a Big Deal. All right, Kimberly, another fantastic introduction. Every week, you psych yourself up. She's, she's, she's very happy this she week. She just pushes it out. Yeah. It just nails the introduction. So uh, I'm excited. Mm. Hello again, everybody. I am uh, Dr. Josh Fink. Uh, Kimberly is with us. Dr. Matt Fink is over there. Dr. Brad Maurer is back from his escapades. Where, where were you? Uh, it was where a short trip. Yeah, all right. yeah. So Ohio. Your state's big. Oh, Hi. It's got the shape oh. of it. Yeah, it's got two time on. zones. Yeah. Yeah. Rand yeah. McNally, you got to oh, do different pages. Basically. Oh, yeah. Sure. I hope those two people. I think it's just the shape of it, though. The two yeah. people that listen to our podcast in Michigan don't get mad now that they know where you're from. But I think they already knew. They, they, yeah. They knew. They already kind of And I think they're it. able to get the pirated version because I don't think we allow Michigan right. yeah. listeners. Especially if in the UK that contested up on their Penisle. fire stick. So uh, today, what we want to talk about is another, uh, the next uh, topic on our list, but it's a really, really important one and really timely uh, for, for this season. We're going to talk about the varying stages of, of heat-related illnesses. And by that, I mean heat cramping, heat exhaustion, and then ultimately heat stroke. And it's very, very common right now. The sun has emerged and it's just laying waste to us. You know, we had a very uh, wet spring here in the central U.S., and uh, now we're just getting rocked. Heat indices are through the roof, and then uh, this time of year, people are showing up for soccer camp, for football camp. You know, all these different camps are taking off, and it's just very long days still of of really intense heat. So what we're going to talk about is uh, uh, how to identify, you know, first of all, what these things are, what we're talking about, and then um, Dr. Matt's going to outline that, and then I'm going to talk about what you need to be looking for on the field in these athletes and on young people, you know, you get a six-year-old, soccer field's the same thing as the playground, you know, the same amount of exertion. And then um, Dr. Maurer's got a whole section to cover of just some wild stuff that only he knows about. So anyway, let's get right down to it. Dr. Matt, you want to out- outline for our listeners the um, common nomenclature for heat-related illnesses and then kind of define it for us? Yeah. So let's kind of jot down the six things that we're really looking for regarding when your body gets overheated. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're looking at the ambient temperature outside. Okay. If there's a if there's a breeze, the air velocity. Um, if there's any additional heat sources, um, what you're actually wearing during the event, or during practice, or whatever, the meta- metabolic heat production, meaning how hard are you working? Mm-hmm. When we talk about overheating in general, we talk about your body's inability to cool off. Mm-hmm. Right. That's one of the reasons why we sweat to begin with right is to help cool down your body because your body's actually going through metabolic changes that's why you're able to actually engage in activity you're spending energy you're creating heat from that energy right so those are really the six things that you're looking at when we're talking about trying to prevent any kind of heat exhaustion or overexertion and i think it's big to 
remember those six because most people only really think about the actual temperature. Right. And they maybe take into account the heat index because on the news in the morning they'll mention the heat index is 115. But, <laughs> right. but what we found is that it, you have to take into account even more than that. It can be a day where the heat index is, is much less than that, but you're still at risk for having heat type illnesses due to those other factors yeah. that you just mentioned. Right. That's exactly right. right. Humidity is a huge one here in the in the Midwest. You know, okay. like what sets uh, one of the the evolutionary advantages for the Homo sapiens was our ability to one stand upright and walk, whereas the other hominid species did not. And the other thing is that our ability to bleed off heat through evaporative action. You know, water uh, is. 4.18 joules per gram degree Celsius. I mean, it's a ton of energy to heat to evaporate, evaporation. And once that energy is dissipated, then you get that, that cooling sweat. So your body pushes a salty-like solution across a membrane, water follows it, because that's what water does, it follows salt, and then that evaporates, and now you've lost that energy, so you're cooler. So if you drip sweat off your body, that is not gonna cool you at all. And so in a humid environment, when there's already a lot of water in the air, now you're going to have to work a lot harder to get that heat out of your body because it's not going to just evaporate as well. So, yeah, you get somebody in a real, real humid room, you don't have to have a high temperature before you start getting them into trouble. Yeah, that thermoregulation, Kim. Mm -hmm. We can't pant. We can, but it's just not as effective as our canine friends. You know, they'll exchange some serious heat. So the first portion we'll talk about is the heat cramps and mm -hmm. what, what exactly cool. that is. Heat cramps are associated with not being able to cool down the muscles. Um, we're talking about locking up mm -hmm. of the actual muscle tissue because you're not you're not able to cool that muscle down. So it's just it's locked up in spasm. Okay. All right. What you need to really consider is the loss of water and salt mm -hmm. from that so a lot right. of people think hey i needed a banana you know I'm, I'm locking up it's actually like dr josh was saying earlier water follows salt across membranes so like you there's a reason why the water that you're exuding from your body is salty yeah it, it's the one of the only reasons yeah it's, it's a salt water that's solution how, that's how you get that's how you get a lot of that heat away from your body but so for that singular instance, we're, we're looking at heat cramps and, and the locking up or the basically not being able to move. The Specific muscles or like what? Everywhere? Um, really the, the larger skeletal muscles. Oh, okay. Um, so hamstrings. Hamstrings, uh, calf. So just where we would think. Especially yeah. ones that cross double joints. So yeah. Those are yeah. not too many of those. That's a rare muscle. True. Um, so following heat cramps, we're looking at and exhaustion. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so when we look at the difference between them, we're looking at one singular muscle or a um, long muscle as opposed to your entire body. Okay. And so one of the things that we look at for heat exhaustion is the fact that your blood volume has decreased. So you're not able to shed as much water as you would gotcha. or sweat as easier as you would because of the six factors mm -hmm. and then your body's just working so hard to stay cool and it's just it's just not happening like it should okay makes uh, sense yeah and so that's you know we'll go over yeah um, i'll go over the food, yeah we'll go yeah what to look for in the kit and those are those but that's, that's why that's heat exhaustion now the worst is heat stroke for our listeners 
we talk about overheating, uh, heat exhaustion, mm -hmm. right, and, and heat stroke. Heat exhaustion can occur if your body's below a certain degree. Like right. you, you don't have to be super. The core temperature doesn't have to be right excessively high. But in a heat stroke, it is like 104. 104 is the magic and it's, number. It's just um, your core temperature, yeah. Kim, way down deep. And that, and really, a heat stroke is you know basically overheating or heat stress for a longer period of time. Right. And it just ramps up, ramps up, ramps up. And then and, you get critical. Yeah. So now you're talking about like, you're talking about a medical emergency. Yeah. You're talking about practice is over, get this kid in a car or cool him as fast as we can. You'll talk about therapies. A little bit. I'm going to talk about some specific stuff, but okay. I'll let cool. you go over the, um, kind of the, a lot of the warning signs that go along yeah, with cool. it. But what then, we're looking I, at. Yeah. All right. Cool. Gonna, Anything else for Dr. Matt? Uh, no, those are really the three things That's we it. wanted to, to touch on and get people familiar with those that terminology. So we got the, and it changes. So yeah. when we were young to when we were in school till now, it's gone through a hundred different things. The word heat exhaustion didn't exist before like 2010. All we knew you know, was nobody overheated. Said heat exhaustion. He's overheated. Are you overheated or you're not? Yeah. You're either perfectly <laughs> healthy or you're in the ER. And somewhere in between those two, you've crossed the magical line. So now, as the technology for evaluating and defining these medical conditions has improved, now we have grades. So first, heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and then critically, heat stroke. So I'm going to talk about what we're looking for. But before I do that, Kim is going crazy. She wants us to talk about heat rash, which is not a medical emergency. And we didn't include it because it's not as, in our opinion, important because we're talking about emergency on-field assessment today and assessment in our young people. Heat rash is a skin reaction that comes from, from sweat and that chafing, that irritation, and sometimes not. It can just occur on the skin. And we, we see this most notably in young, young people, little babies, you know, especially around the diaper line. And we see it in adults too. There are plenty of adults that will still get heat rash. And it is a skin reaction. It is not a medical emergency. Very if uncomfortable. You, but it's very uncomfortable, right. So unless, you get some, unless you get somebody with a low tolerance for being uncomfortable and they turn into a real wiener, then it's a medical emergency. Because they're unpleasant to be around, you know what I mean? So they're like, uh, what's wrong? What's wrong with Kim? Well, she's got heat rash. Okay, let's get out of here, you know? So in that sense. Now, our grandmothers would call it the prickly heat. That's what they would call it. They're like, oh, he got a case of the prickly heats. And that means that there's a rash on that person. You can get the prickly heat, you go outside for what, uh, whatever number of time, and you're, you've got the wrong situation going on You can be uh, out shoveling, your undergarments. You can you know be shoveling I mean? snow in right. the winter, totally freezing, but you're wearing the wrong Look. cotton Thing. underwear. Undergarments, and then, and then the, You get the prickly heat. And then you could okay. You know, okay. Spend, spend an hour We're out there shoveling, and then... Chafing is a, is a physical reaction to the debriding... Right? The the physical interaction of skin on skin. Okay. It's totally different. Right. Okay, so what I want to talk about is the signs and symptoms. When we're looking at young people outside playing or we're looking at adults outside playing, what do we use for our evaluation criteria? So, number one, that young person is doubled over in pain laying on the ground, you know, and it's outside in practice, it's early on, then you, you get up to them, assess them, they can't stand up, but they're really with it, then they're screaming and they're lively, that you most likely you're dealing with somebody with a heat cramp. And the solution, Dr. Meyer will talk about some solutions, but that's what that is. Your body is pushing out a bunch of water that's chasing salt across a semi-permeable membrane in order to effect a rapid evaporative cooling situation. And now you don't have enough water or salt to run these muscles. 
This is one of the few times uh, where Gatorade, Powerade, these sports drinks that have a lot of electrolytes in them, this is where they really become useful. You know, people will come to us and be like, oh, what, what do you think about sports drinks? What do you like about sports drinks? And Dr. Mauer and I, for I think the first decade we were in practice, we would just slap the sports drink out of their hand, you know. But now it seems like there are changes in ambient temperature and in the training these kids go under. And just in the last decade, it's just gone through the roof. They are very intensely trained young people. They're going through some serious stuff. And sports drinks, replacing those electrolytes, that is a necessity in prolonged activity. You know, you've got to have those salts back in there if you can't replace them fast enough. Some of our super crazy endurance athletes, our Ironmans, they will take a... Um, a salt pill uh, in order to rapidly, it's like eating a salt block to get that stuff back into their body. So it's pretty crazy. So first level, that's cramping, you know. Now heat exhaustion, this is where the majority of your cases are gonna be. You know, parents, when you're looking at kids outside, it's very, very easy to get a child who hasn't had water, hasn't had breakfast, and hasn't had sleep to show up to your soccer camp, or your football camp, or your cross country camp, or your birthday party where you rented an inflatable, in in tough shape not uncommon at all and so these you'll see these children cramping unable to move no problem throw them in the shade get them some water and you watch them right what i'm talking about now is you move into heat exhaustion this is where you have to start making some decisions and the criteria that i'd like you to look at is just the level of awareness and alertness that the child is that the young person if they're young enough how alert are they in general, if they're mad and screaming and rolling around on the ground, we like that. That's actually a good clinical indicator of somebody having a healthy response. Lethargy, confusion, weakness, those are scary words. I don't even like to say them out loud, and that means we need to have an intervention. Something needs to be done somewhere in order to cool this child off rapidly. And we can talk about solutions for that in a minute, but I'm just giving people grades. So what are you gonna do? You got a kid laying on the ground, you go up to him, he's rolling around, clutching his stomach, you know, or he's, he, he, his leg. First, you make sure something isn't shooting out of that area. And if it's not, and it, it, and it fits these criteria, then it's most likely cramping. Once you get them in and you sit them down, if they then become lethargic or dizzy, now you're gonna start, you're gonna start staring at them, doing the parent stare or the trainer stare, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. You can give them about 15 minutes is the general rule we use. And if they're not perking up by then and they're in this cooling situation, you know, you remove the tight clothing, get them out of the sun, put a fan on them, get something cold on them to bring their core temperature down, and they're still not improving, then they're going to go to the hospital because you're entering into heat stroke. People think you always have to be unconscious to have heat stroke or, or your skin has to be cold to the touch. Or, look. In nine times out of ten, when you go to these evaluations or you got this young person at your birthday party, they're running around like crazy, sweating like like a pig. Like they're sweating. They're not going to be cool to the touch. They're not going to have clammy skin that you'll be able to tell unless you're an expert. So I tell people not to worry about that. You know, unless you're clinically trained to evaluate that, don't worry about that. You need to be looking at the level of alertness that this young person has. And the less alert they are, the more scared you are. Follow that rule hard and fast. And you give them about 15 minutes. If they don't start coming back to you, or if they're flat out, passed out, that's it. You're going to the hospital. You're going right then. You know, or you're calling emergency services. You know, in some cases, that would be faster. <laughs> in <laughs> some cases. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the level of relationship to the parent that the child is and the, <laughs> and the number of amount of straight lines in, in between you and the hospital. You know, so, um we can we can also evaluate stuff like rapid heartbeat, you know. But if you're not clinically trained, 
you know, then those things can be misleading. So number one, we're looking at the, the level of alertness of the child or of the young person or the athlete. And then uh, we can add in stuff like after the cramping, you get headache, diarrhea, that kind of stuff. But ultimately, all of that, if left unchecked, is going to make its way towards heat stroke. You don't have to be passed out to have heat stroke. You just have to be have these symptoms, and they're way upgraded. I'm talking about total lethargy. Somebody doesn't know where they are. They get really irritated. They get confused. That's when you know you have a really significant problem. And if you've got to restrain them, and if they won't be restrained or cooled off, then you contact emergency services. Right? Or you have three people hold them down and you put a garden hose on them. Whatever it takes to cool them off. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever it takes, because you're acting in their best interest. So um, that's really it. You know, when we talk about the more the more crazy diagnosis diagnoses to make, we can do that in the office. But what we want people to understand in this podcast is just this. This is how you evaluate people out in the field. You know, Saturday, one o'clock in the afternoon, July, you're having a big birthday party, you've got an inflatable. Kids have been out there running around like crazy, or even worse, 3 o'clock. You know, these parties go on. They start at noon, go to 3. The sun is still at its zenith. They're still just getting rocked with, you know, 90% humidity, 90-degree day, and you're going to have some kids dropping because they're having sugary stuff. Most likely they're not having water and, fr and high water content fruit, you know. Then you get a child that goes down, or you get a child that cramps up, no problem. Let's get them out of the sun. Let's get them some water. Have them sit down for a second. Let's keep an eye on them. Or worst case, you come, you some young person comes and grabs you. Like, oh, Billy's passed out behind the goal net over there. You know, <laughs> you need to one. Is Billy bleeding out of an orifice? No. Okay, great. And then you see if Billy is is coming around or is awake and alert. If he's super, if he wakes up, he's in super pain, but he knows where it is. He is. You know who you are. You know he knows what time his mom dropped him off. Okay, no problem. We just got a hurt kid. That we can deal with. Billy doesn't know where he is or what happened, then it's time to go for some service. And so, and that's how you move into that's how you move into heat stroke. But make no mistake, heat stroke is a grade A medical emergency that is that is going to be outside the realm of what we can offer at our at our homes or at our at our soccer camps. So, right. so yeah, I wanted to. I'll kind of stay in the same order: heat cramps, heat exhaustion, heat stroke. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to probably spend a lot of time on heat cramps. Okay, cool. And pickle juice, to be exact. Okay, great. Right. I juice. love it. So, I, I was wondering where you, you know. For those of you that don't know, Dr. Maurer, Dr. Maurer teaches the, in the doctoral program. He was selected to be a teacher for the doctoral program over at Mario. Uh, undergrad. But don't they, aren't they way to become a doctor? Eventually, yeah. So, Isn't um, it a, Going on to physical therapy. Yeah. Uh, exercise science department. Though. Exercise science, yeah. which is just badass. Yeah. You know, the, the. A lot of cool technology. And yeah, the way that the metrics and the sophistication of testing has made its way into the human body, I think it's just one of the coolest things around. So, yeah. Anyway, I just thought, you never talk about yourself like I do. I have to coach you <laughs> on how to talk about yourself better, and, and I'm going to force you into it here by announcing everyone like you. They've selected you to be one of their teachers, so you're teaching all these people how to think about, about evaluating the body. So that's really, really cool. So it's not like we're just taking a stab at this. We actually have a, yeah. a doctor and then a doctor doctor on top of that. And then a, a doctor prepper, which is what he is. Mm. No, he's yeah. with a doctor pepper. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to say a doomsday prepper. <laughs> 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 All right, sorry. So yeah, I do spend a lot of time talking about biomechanics and then also exercise physiology, which this falls in the realm of Absolutely. exercise physiology, of course. Uh, but what I noticed, I noticed this through my daughter playing softball, is mm -hmm. that, especially about a year ago or two years ago, 
I would see teams with like a jar of pickle juice. And I'd heard about it before, but I hadn't really seen it in action. You mean like, so, a, like a Dominic Ogorek? I'm talking like Chappelle would carry around the, the jar of pickle juice. I think so, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. You'll have to look that up, Kim. All right. <laughs> so I actually at one point saw yeah, a big jar of pickle juice All right. on their team table. And then also went to one field last year. And at the concession stand, they were selling little tiny cups, plastic cups of pickle juice. Shot glasses of pickle yeah. juice. Shot, shot. So it got me thinking. So I wanted to kind of look this into this a little further. I'd, I'd looked a little bit about it, but not fully. And found some interesting stuff. So there was a study done back in, all the way back in 2010. Oh, my God. And the dark ages. Kim. Yeah, seriously. She was in Kim elementary was in school. Yeah. 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 Kim was learning cursive. Which <laughs> they don't learn anymore. Yeah. But uh, back then, they did. So, Miller and his crew, mm. they did this study, and they were comparing pickle juice to just deionized water. Okay. And they're looking at how that af affected muscle cramps. And I believe going into it, they thought, well, it has to be an electrolyte type of thing. Right. But when they did the study, not only did they realize that the pickle juice actually works at stopping the muscle cramps, they realized that it can work within about 30 seconds. So, at that point, they're like... Well, that can't be that a, can't a be, blood right? electrolyte thing. And so they started to try to figure out, well, what, what's going on here? So at that point in time, they realized it had to be a nervous system right. sort of thing, right. neuromuscular. Initially, they thought, well, maybe it was a reflex within the mouth or mm -hmm. the swallowing, and that sent a message to those alpha motor neurons, which I promise not to get too much in the science part. <laughs> I love it. But, but yeah. alpha motor neuron is just... The big nerves that go from the spinal cord to the muscles okay. and tell the muscles what to do. So they thought, well, it must be reflex. Well, over time, they realized that uh, most likely it's due to these, these certain receptors or these channels that receive that. And then they send a message to those alpha motor neurons and signal it to stop contracting. Okay. So anyways, they went through this whole testing and realized that one, hey, pickle juice is a good thing right. for muscle cramps. Also, it's not necessarily the electrolyte. That's fantastic. It's, it's, or it's not. It's actually the nervous system that says a lot. That's getting a signal. It says a lot for the speed with which the nerves can modulate muscular yeah. activity. Yeah, because 30 seconds, that's a. That's, that's fast, a fast. Yeah. So, to be able to take something and deliver its effect on site yeah. in, in a not emergency, but a crisis. Like when yeah. there's a lot going on in the body, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, especially when it comes to performance. Yeah, you know, every once in a while you see a, a player laying on the ground, cramping. They have to come out for a while. Yeah, here comes the Saint Bernard, the yeah. pickle juice container on yeah. his throat, you know. jar. <laughs> you see a couple pickles floating in there. Yeah. Um, so that was a big deal to me, just how much the nervous system plays. And I don't want to take away the fact that you need to prehydrate, right. <laughs> hydrate. Do you know the numbers? Taking you know, those electrolytes for that. Uh, in, in terms of how much yeah. fire, I I used to know the exact numbers. Right. I should know those offhand, but. We Just that there put, is some. Right. Put that in our. Uh, there are. We'll, we'll put on the put website. We'll put on the website. I know the big one that I remember is uh, is eight to ten ounces for every twenty minutes when you're really out there going hard. And yeah. people are like, "What?" I'm like, "That's a cup of water every three cups an hour." They're yeah. like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, you yeah. need to be drinking that." You think about all the water leaving your body from all over your body, all the places you sweat. That's how much water you need to be replacing. If you're not, you're at a deficit, and that's unsustainable. Yeah, cool. And there's there's also the practice of weighing your athletes at oh, certain yeah, points yeah. during a practice. 
and then for every pound they've lost, it's like oh, drink, drink cool. a pint of water. Wow. Something like that. So that'll bring it home quick. There's that as well. And so when it comes to the altered neuromuscular control, that that's kind of the big theory right now that you know electrolytes play a role, hydration plays a role, but hey, this this altered neuromuscular activity could be one of the biggest factors coming into play with these cramps. Um, we're looking at that, the deal with the pickle juice. Now they're looking at, is it important to drink it before? Right, after. Is it during? A lot of people getting, getting murdered from yeah, the study. Yeah, cucumbers are getting wrecked. Watch yourself. And they're also finding that there's other things like peppers, oh, okay. uh, menthol, that, even that mustard. Citizen, man. Even mustard. It's gotta, yeah, exactly. It is getting great results. At this point, apparently pickle juice is... Not is the most palatable as opposed to squirting mustard in your mouth or something like that. <sighs> but uh, so it's that. But then also, neuromuscularly speaking, the muscle spindles, Golgi tendon organs, mm -hmm. the spindles mm -hmm. help the muscle contract. We call those GTOs, Kim. GTOs. Yeah. Spindles mug and contract. The GTOs make Mo them relax. They modulate it. As we're exercising, especially in the heat, short contractions, the spindles get overactive, the GTOs get underactive. We need to make sure if we feel them coming on, we do what we can to, to activate those GTOs, Kim. Okay. Do some dynamic movements. Oof. Get your get your body Kim, in some full refer, motion. You're going to have to refer to podcast two if you want to talk about dynamic movements. Yeah. But, but everybody listening to this is already listening. A little bit exactly one. A little bit one, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, End of one. That's right. It was in podcast one, not in podcast two. Yeah. So that's the big deal. So if you see somebody with their pickle juice, that's what's applaud them. Applaud yeah. them. That's but... Right. If they're telling everybody they're doing it because of replenishing electrolytes, mm -hmm. shoot them down and tell them they're totally they're wrong. Totally wrong. Yeah. And that's one of the things you get from listening to our podcast. But yeah, you're I smarter know. than everybody else. Yeah. You're welcome. But yeah, for your young athletes, if you're if you're working out in the sun, it might yeah. be, you know, make sure you like, hydrate. You come over to some guy's house to cut yeah. down their tree. If you're working on their <laughs> roof, they have the door open, sneak in, see if they got any pickles. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's the deal. With uh, pickle juice. Fantastic. Among other things. Kimmy, you okay? Uh, she's, she's not going to make it. Uh, okay. So that's the deal with heat cramps. So if you didn't know before and you see some people walking around with their pickles, that's why. Um, one of the reasons why. But one, you know, for the, yeah, there's a few. We're going to assume the best. Yeah. Heat exhaustion, heat stroke, like you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Biggest thing is get them into a cool place. Get them out of the sun. And if you start that's seeing right. signs but you feel like it's more in the heat, heat exhaustion realm, Hey, put them in your car. Yeah. Up, crank up the AC. That's right. Get them the water. Get them fluids. Just anything. Mo and monitor them, you know. That's really don't just, it. Don't just, just leave them in the car. Just that 15 minutes golden, you know. Yeah. And then, so there's a bunch of stuff you can do. One, if they've got tight, restrictive clothing, preserve their modesty, but, like, get rid of everything else. Yeah. You know, kids, you know, they go pass out and they wake up naked. They're going to be in extreme distress. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want, you know, you don't want your athletes to be embarrassed like that, you know. Like, if that's, you know. Here's what happens to you if you pass out. Like, I mean, that's a good way to scare them, I guess. You know, but ultimately, that's not what we want to go for. You know, so drink your water or yeah. So yeah. you got the, like you said, prehydration and hydration during the activity, and then getting a fan on people, getting moving air. That is that is not as good as air conditioning, of course, because air is such a dry air. They but even man, make these misters you can buy. Absolutely, you basically use the Home Depot bucket. The, yep, water. Put a fan on there, that's ice right. water, and. Uh, you can use that as well. Yeah, and you can get these big old fans. You know, if you're a coach, you should have one. Like, there should be one blown. Just stand the kid in front of it or keep it going and so they know where they can amass during, you know, when it's not their drill time. But 
there's tons and tons of strategies for and, you know letting these out. And if you got like if you're really serious about pushing your athletes, about getting your athletes to the next level, you want to be doing this. You want to you want to give them adequate time to recover so they can push themselves further. Nuking your athletes first practice that doesn't make any sense at all. It's just for coaches trying to relive their glory. It's like, oh, well, I did it, so they'll have to do it. That doesn't make any sense at all. And that guy should, you know, should probably be reevaluated as a coach. Maybe even talk to uh, uh, behind the shed. You know what I'm saying? That's, like, yeah, that's, I just can't stand that kind of stuff. part of the reason I wanted to bring this up because it, it never fails. I know maybe... What? <laughs> so, I mean, come on. They can't, they, come on. But that's a big reason I wanted to kind of bring this topic up because it always seems like this time of year, and maybe it's just because it gets more publication, but it always seems like football teams getting back on the field, mm -hmm. you hear a story of almost death, or unfortunately Absolutely. you hear a story of death almost every year, whether it's Absolutely. high school level, college level. I mean, we take care of buckets of athletes here, so we hear it all the time. But, like, just, you know, you figure out all these different groups, there's one or two people go to the hospital a year. It shouldn't even have gotten that far. Granted, you know, all these coaches, they're in charge of, like, 30 kids, 40 kids. But, man, you, there's a long way between cramps and medical emergency. And if you can't watch them, you need to have staff on there who are trained on how to look for that stuff, you know? And there, there's even one thing we didn't talk about, but it's not very readily available, is total water immersion, you know? Oh, sure. You know, getting them somewhere, but, you know, if it's that bad, mm -hmm. you're calling 911, yeah. you, you try to do that in the meantime. If right. there's anywhere available where you can get them totally underwater, even their head, some cold water, but... Yeah, it gets really to that level, you need someone on the way Absolutely. to take care of them. All right. IV and all that. Fantastic. So this is a super timely podcast. You know, we have so many athletes here, and we have so many coaches here, you know, and we have so many moms and dads here. We want you guys to make sure that you are doing exactly what it takes and you're trained up on how to handle these situations, how to prevent them from arising. That's number one. On-field evaluation is, is going to be the level of awareness of the, of the young person. And the number one way to prevent it is with adequate hydration. So, all right, you guys have any questions, we'll have a thing on the website uh, for backup information for this. If you have any questions about this or something you want to talk about, please, please, please email us. It's K-I-M, Kim, at mfwellness.org, mfwellness.org. Uh, Dr. Matt, anything for the people? No, just uh, err on the side of caution. Just be careful out there. It's be careful. You know, we've had patients, I was just saying this last year, we had a patient who had uh, gotten a heat exhaustion on a float trip. Like, you're literally in the water, but you're, you're near the water in a canoe. You're not actually wet. And they're, they're going into heat exhaustion right there. And one of our patients had come back, and, and we had talked to her about it for her son's soccer team months before, but she recognized it. So I, I kind of thought that was cool. It always stick with me. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. And just as a parent, as a coach, even for yourself, just make sure you're monitoring your condition. Absolutely. Keeping an eye, and it's not something that they're gonna fight through, you know. Yeah, uh, man. Like, don't, don't try to push. You know, yeah. are you hurt or are you injured? No, forget it, man. She's on yeah. the ground. They're almost passed out. Yeah, puking. Know? Yeah, that's, right. Yeah, that's not good. I hear that kind of stuff all the time. You know, these these trite phrases. You're talking about a young person's health, you know, and the health of the rest of their life. You you get people that have heat stroke. They're extremely sensitive to heat in, intolerant for a long time afterwards. We can't mess around with this stuff. So. Staphylococcus hominis is um, a bacteria that lives on us, Kimberly, in our armpits and other areas. Mm -hmm. And it is the interaction and proliferation of that bacteria which loves salty sweat, sees it, goes right after it, and it stinks. So it's not 
your sweat that smells. Don't be mad at your sweat. It's that bug on your body creating that odor. Did not know that. I know you didn't, Kim. Most people don't, and they're mad at their sweat. Meanwhile, sweat's down there trying to stop you from dying. Right. You know? And you're like, ooh, player. sweaty, ooh, yeah. People are like, oh, I sweat so much. Good. That's great. Good survival mechanism, man. Maybe I high-five them. You're not a sweaty high-five. Because <laughs> 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 if, right. if you're not sweating, then that's yeah, that's. Problem. I mean, yeah. come on, man. All right. Kimberly, do you have anything for the people? <laughs> so I read. Bauer is shocked right now. I read that. If, like your kid, if you think he is he or she is having heat cramps okay. and you offer them something to drink, they're not thirsty, then they need, like, electrolytes. Mm-hmm. Is that right? No. Like, if, they, if they're not, if not need, thirsty? You need a kind of sodium, right? Because we had talked about replenishing water and, and sodium to help relieve those, those cramps that yeah, are occurring. Because it's, it's most of that. But young people, when they get hurt mm-hmm. or they're scared, they're not hungry. So you'll be like, hey, do you want something to drink? Do you want something to eat? They're going to say no because they're confused. If they're in heat exhaustion, they'll maybe confused or they maybe have too much. The, the first thing to go is appetite. So like people go, hey, you want, you want a salty snack? You want this or that? And they'll say no. It's not a question. You're, you're drinking this. Here, drink this. I know, but should they be drinking water or should they be drinking like a if you sports sus- drink? Yeah, if you suspect that, yeah. then you want a sports drink or you want a bolus. You know, it's kind of you what, don't I, was, have that on what hand, I was just but, talking about with the heat cram is that pickle juice I was yeah, talking right. about. How it may not be totally the sodium, it may not be totally the water, it could be this other factor. This other factor, yeah. Yeah. so you want to give them something, a little bit of everything, if they get to that point. Okay. Hopefully you've hydrated them before that. But I mean, just getting people to drink water, there's so many other options to drink right now that aren't really options. You know, human body only runs on water. You know. All right, very good. Good job, Kim. Mm-hmm. Way to bring something to the table today. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's it. The next topic that we're going to cover is going to be common questions from patients. So uh, in the next couple of weeks, you can expect us to ask you, what do you, do you have any like questions we can answer? And um, Kimberly wants to just rapid fire a bunch of questions out of the way. So just people have, oh, okay, that's why they do that. Or that's why they, they do this. So uh, you guys can look forward to being pestered by us even more. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to add, at both offices, I'm looking at the back-to-school drive. For those of you who aren't a patient of ours, the back-to-school drive, uh, something we do to collect school supplies for what's called youth in need here in, in St. Charles and, and Wentzville. And uh, all the stuff stays local, and uh, we collect stuff from our patients, and we give away a three-pack of hour-long massages as a way of saying thank you to the winner of a contest that we run along with people bringing in gifts. That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the absolute volume of School supplies that have been brought in by people who aren't even trying to win the contest. They're like, oh, we don't even need a, a ticket. Yeah, don't worry about it. We're just, we'll do that I mean, you guys, it is buckets and buckets. So if it's anything that, may, that, that makes me excited, makes you feel like we're doing a good job, you know, we have a great practice, a practices, or an overall global practice, it's that our patients will come up here and just throw down school supplies. Here, here's 15 glue. Here's a bunch of notebooks. Because somewhere out there is a little kid whose mom has to make a choice between food and a notebook. And it makes me, it makes me upset. You know that it even exists in our around, but I just want to say thank you, you patients, you, you practice. I just love you guys so much, and the fact that I can walk out that door and I right now open this door and go look, and I can see they're going to have to send a truck over here to get this stuff. Our tables are filled now. We're just stacking them on the floor. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know what's cool is like oh. even you know you, you think of like your you know your 27, 28 year old non married male you know who who maybe isn't that in touch with younger people. They go, this one guy goes out, 
He hears about it. He goes out. He buys this badass Mario Brothers backpack. And he goes line by line on our list of stuff that they need. And he fills that backpack. And he has no, he's got no skin in the game. He doesn't even want the massages. He just knows it's right for young people. And that pumps me up. It's that kind of effort. If it was maybe on a larger scale, we wouldn't have half the problems that we do. Anyway, thanks. I'm really proud of you guys. You're welcome. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Not like you, though, but like the people. Right. All right. Well, All right. I just want to say, but we are proud of you, Doctor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. We're not going to hug. Okay, uh, so that is it for this week. You can expect to be badgered by other questions, and we will see you all in two weeks. Thank you. And a big thank you goes out to Hug Monster Sound for somehow allowing the doctors' voices to sound even better than they already do.